0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Kristol. And Bill, whether you're in Israel or whether you're in Ukraine or whether you're at the border or whether you're just trying to figure out what to do as a member of Congress, the one thing you have in common, chaos. Everywhere there's chaos. Is this an accident?
1: Well, I thought you were going to say the one thing we have in common is no leadership from the president or when there's an attempt to Intervene or meddle—it's it, often counterproductive, uh, as I think President Obama has been a little bit in the case of Israel, and a lot of bit in the case of the of the border. So having a weak—I mean, some of these problems would happen anyway. Obviously, immigration was a problem before President Obama. Illegal immigration was a problem before President Obama became president, and obviously there were Israel uh, uh, conflicts in Israel and and Gaza before uh, President Obama was president, but. Um, It's really uh, made much worse by this total abdication of presidential leadership.
0: Let's talk for a second about Israel, because uh, Lee Smith made a good point in the Weekly Standard on the podcast earlier that if you hadn't had the kind of uh, pressure from the Obama administration setting artificial timetables and pushing people, you may not have gotten to the point where you had the tension that has led to this breakout of of violence.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that's true. Lee's made that argument very well and so this typically often unfortunately this happens you you talk peace process and sometimes the critics of it say oh well look it's it's stupid but it's harmless it's not going anywhere but it isn't entirely harmless it builds expectations it creates grievances it allows radicals to say how foolish of those moderates to think there could be peace and so in a way it strengthens the hands of those like Hamas who want to uh, start a little war with with Israel i think the other thing that's been under um, accounted for in you know, why is this happening now well two other things one <laughs> excuse me. First of all, Iran. Iran, apparently, some of these weapons Hamas is firing, they seem to have gotten from Iran. They're certainly, they may be, they've gotten them through Syria, but they're Iranian-made. Um, Iran has a big interest in distracting Israel as we move towards July 20th at either a U.S.-Iran deal on the nuclear program, or more likely, I should think, an extension for Iran. Israel keeps saying it's unacceptable for Iran to be on the threshold of having nuclear weapons. It's pretty clear that we, the U.S., unfortunately, uh, is much more relaxed about that. Uh, but, you know, to the degree Israel gets tied up, the Israeli Air Force gets tied up, the Israeli population gets tied up in dealing with this border problem, with, with the Gaza problem, with rockets flying into Israel, less likely to be able to focus uh, their efforts on Iran. So I think there's some Iranian uh, um, interest in having this happen now, and they may well be putting Hamas up to it. The other thing that I, would, I would say is the general chaos in the Middle East and the general jihadist advances in the Middle East surely have played a role in this. If you're a jihadist in Gaza, you look around, you see what ISIS is doing in Iraq, you see what's happening in Syria. No one's stopping your buddies from their attempts to slaughter people and take over land, in the case of Iraq. And you figure, hey, we're sort of on the move. And this kind of peer pressure, I hate to use that term, but, you know, what are you guys doing in Gaza? And Israel is different from, obviously, the Maliki government. But, hey, we should fight, chip into the fight, too. It's, it really is true. Bin Laden was right, unfortunately. The You know, the Middle East really respects the strong horse, and the, the jihadists look like a strong horse. So the other jihadists want to get on board. And so Israel is paying the price, I think, to some degree here for a general perception of U.S. weakness and weakness in supporting the good guys, in fighting against the terrorists and the jihadists.
0: So we had an approach. We're going to try to shoehorn a peace process, and we end up where we are now. Then we had an approach in the last uh, 12 to 18 months to the White House on immigration saying, we're going to shoehorn through some solutions. We're going to make it easier for children to stay in the United States. And shockingly, as more and more talk over the past two years has been about this accommodation, there's been a surge of moms with children over the border. What a coincidence, Bill Kristol.
1: No, absolutely right, in terms of causality and in terms of responsibility, political responsibility, and moral responsibility. And I really don't think we should let the administration and, frankly, other proponents of greatly increased uh, uh, of, of amnesty or quasi-amnesty for illegal immigrants and of all those people who have said, including lots of Republicans, Eric Cantor is one of them. Well, kids, kids are totally different. We certainly could never hold kids accountable for what their parents do. Well, when you start saying that, parents in Central America aren't idiots. They see that and they think, oh, well, so their policy now is that kids are kind of sacrosanct. You can't touch them. Now, there's a way in which, of course, any one of us would say that and wants to be nice to kids. And you don't, strictly speaking, hold kids responsible the way you do their parents. But once you say what Eric Cantor and Barack Obama have said, what, you know, an awful lot of parents said in Honduras and Guatemala can decide, gee, I mean, I'm not sure I can get into the United States, but I think my kid, once he gets in, he's probably pretty safe. And frankly, once he's in there, you know, I might be able to get in with him or after him. Uh, so I think they have set up a huge incentive uh, for what's happening to have happened. And to the degree that there's suffering involved, and there is a lot, and to the degree that you're putting these kids at the mercy of various, you know, gangs and and, and coyotes and, and so forth, they have some moral responsibility for this. I don't think it's just a aha kind of political point to make. And I don't think it's just a let's strengthen the border point, which is obviously important as a policy matter. They really have a moral responsibility for what's happening down there.
0: And I'm trying to figure out how spending another $4 billion taking care of people who've chosen to make that trip is supposed to discourage the other. and, And according to the numbers that are coming from you know, the White House and and, and the border people, another 150,000 over the next 18 months. In other words, we're watching, essentially, the population of the city of Savannah, Georgia, getting ready to come here, and our answer to them is, well, here, we're spending money on the people who already did. I, I don't get the disincentive.
1: You know, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think this is a big moment. Last week, the president, behaving, if I can put it this way, like a normal president, actually said, you know, maybe we'll need to change this Amendment to the two thousand and eight law, which actually was designed very narrowly for genuine political uh you know uh, 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 people fleeing the persecution or people who were being trafficked and youngsters being you know uh, uh, treated horribly and then trafficked for sex and for other things. it was designed very narrowly and then it's sort of expanded and now it's this huge loophole for everyone who's not from Mexico. we can't deport them apparently uh once they get across the border so mean, I guess even at the border it's hard to send them back so um 10 days ago or so, the president said, yeah, we may have to change that. Then he didn't propose changing it when he sent up the supplemental request for funds earlier this week. That, for me, is very significant. I mean, obviously, that's got to be changed. Obviously, if the signal is we're going to be, you know, humane and generous in a way, but we are sending you back, you've got to change the law that prevents us or that we interpret as preventing us from sending us back. And without that, it's all ridiculous. And I think Republicans should next week pass a one-page bill that uh, simply uh strikes that provision of the 2008 law and strikes that provision of US law and allows us to send kids and and uh, older people's and and their guardians and their you know their parents whoever it is back to Honduras and Guatemala and El Salvador it's just ridiculous the current law given the circumstances we face and I don't think we should tie it, they should tie it to the supplemental. I don't think it should tie it to anything. They should just pass a one-page law that gets rid of it and makes clear that, okay, President Obama, made the Senate, will want to take it up, but then really challenge to Harry Reid, why aren't you taking this up? Even the president acknowledged last week that, th- that this law is kind of crazy now. And then say to the president, okay, start enforcing this law. Maybe there will be some funds to help you enforce this law once you start to do that, but no funds for, for just for, for the status quo.
0: From a political perspective, the decision of the president to refuse to go to the border under any circumstance, I understand they tried to lure him there by setting up an NBA game featuring pool tables during halftime, and still <laughs> that didn't seem to do it, Bill. Is he making the right or wrong political decision?
1: I don't know. I mean, uh, I think people overdo the kind of optics, as they say, of this. You could argue, you know, from his point of view, going to the border it makes it even clearer that he has no policy to deal with the problems. At the border for me republicans uh, there's a little too much even in conservative media obsessing probably about whether he's going to the border or not and now the the, the key point has to be there is a piece of legislation you can't solve the whole thing with one piece of legislation a one page piece of legislation repealing the two thousand and eight uh amendment to the uh to the to the to the law. But it would certainly help. It certainly is the groundwork for moving in the right direction. And so repeal that amendment. Pass the one-page law repealing that amendment. That should be, the, I believe, the Republican message for the next week. And not just message. I think the House should do it. And do it clean, keep it simple, and put the burden on the Democrats to explain why a kid from Mexico gets turned around at the border and a kid from Honduras doesn't.
0: Uh, And then when the president refuses to apply that law, then we can have another lawsuit filed by John Boehner. Uh, Where are you on the Boehner lawsuit? And I I was surprised people seemed to be shocked that he didn't address immigration. I thought from the beginning the strategy was to focus explicitly on Obamacare and on the fact that the president is completely ignoring parts of the law while implementing other similar parts right next to it. I thought if you're going to do a lawsuit, that's the smart way to do it.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that, and I mean, given how incredibly lawless this president is, I sympathize with John Boehner and House Republicans who can't quite figure out a way to get their uh, arms around this without a lawsuit. I don't really like the idea of lawsuits. On the other hand, I don't like putting the courts in the position of resolving this. Congress has quite a lot of clout, uh, power of appropriations, power of legislation, power of oversight. They've used some of those powers somewhat effectively, and I think they could do a lot more in that respect. Um, So I guess if you gave me a choice, I'm I'm okay with the lawsuit, I guess. I'm not sure if it will really do much good. It is not good if it becomes an excuse for not doing other things. That's what Congress, what the Republican House should do, is pass legislation removing money from the slush fund for the insurance companies that helps prop up Obamacare. That's a twofer. It weakens Obamacare to remove that money, and it goes after the crony capitalist arrangement the insurance companies made with the Obama administration. Uh, So if they do that and do the lawsuit, that's fine to me. But if the lawsuit becomes an excuse for not doing things like that, I'm very unhappy with it. And in general, I'm just a little skeptical that that's, as a matter of governance, I'm skeptical about it. I don't think it's going to make much difference. As a matter of politics, it, it can become an excuse for not confronting the Obama administration legislatively and in terms of oversight and appropriations.
0: But if you if the House says we're going to remove this funding and the Senate refuses to act, then the funding stays.
1: Right, but at least you have a clear difference between the bodies and a clear... Uh, ability uh, for Republicans running for Senate seats held by Senate Democrats, especially Republicans in the House who will be voting for this, to say, hey, here's a clear difference between the two parties. That's why I like, you know, I mean, I think it's right on the merits, but I also like politically bringing up the one pager to uh, fix the, at least begin to fix the insane kind of situation we're faced mm-hmm. now by. By uh, refugees, by children coming from non not refugees, really just children uh, coming from non-contiguous countries, and that's why I like the idea of going after the insurance company slush funds. Those are two simple pieces of legislation that could pass the House that Harry Reid won't want to bring up, and that allow an awful lot of Republican um, candidates running for Senate, many of whom actually happen to be House members, to say here's a quick, here's a reason we need a Republican Senate. Here's what I will do in the Senate, that your Senator, Senator Landrew or Senator Pryor or Senator Begich or Senator Udall or whoever isn't willing to do.
0: Oh, this is a situation of the week for the president. It's so bad that he wants to talk about the Ukraine. That's how bad it's gotten, (laughs) Bill. Thanks so much for your time here for the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.